I got this picture of um, a satellite dish and um, this person trying to fix it and angle it towards yeah, the stars. And then I um, heard Jesus saying, why are you looking for me up there when I'm already in your house? I'm inside the house and you're trying to find me somewhere else. So I just feel the Lord saying that um, he wants us to come inside and see that he's already here. got these, um, these lights that we use for load shedding in, at home and you plug them into the wall and they charge and then when the electricity goes off, they come on automatically and sometimes we forget to plug them in and they don't charge so when load shedding comes, we don't have lights and I just feel that some of us are quite happy just sitting next to the power supply and not actually plugging into it and I just feel God is calling us today to actually plug into His power supply so that he can carry us through those times when there's load shedding in our lives. Yeah, so we believe God speaks to us through prophetic. And uh, this morning, uh, I think God's saying he's here. So we always look for external sources of power. But actually God's here already. He says, I am, yeah, I'm available to you. But you do need to plug in. So as much as God is available to us, we have to engage with Him this morning. We have to plug in to that source that's available to us this morning so that we do have that residual power of God flowing through our lives. And, and there's a sense of that we can't make light on our own. But through the power of God, there is an eternal light that starts shining through our lives. And uh, so in worship, it's one of the times where we have a, a time. It's a supernatural thing where you can concentrate. You can put your thoughts, your heart towards God. And in a sense, we're led by the words of the songs to glorify God and spend time with Him and aligning your heart and your spirit to what it actually should be in tune with God. That is the feeling that we get. And as we do that, God comes and He's among us. And He he connects with us. And that should be an experience. It should be quite something. So this morning... I want to challenge all of us to in 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 worshiping as we as we continue worshiping that there's this this little time that we have where in a certain sense you can in your mind think about plugging in to the power of God who's already here and available to you. Wonderful to be here, wonderful to have the opportunity, um, nice to be with my friends and enjoy a weekend together and opportunities to, to minister and talk and fellowship and connect with one another. Uh, it's a privilege. Um, it's, a, it's a privilege to get to know people, to share our lives with people and to share the word um, this morning. But before we start, let's, um, let me pray just for this time. Father God, thank you um, that your word is with us, that you are here with us. 
that your Holy Spirit will guide us and reveal your heart to us. I pray for this time of the word that um, our hearts will be open to hear what you have to say. Um, And your words are unique to each and every one of us because our situation is unique. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will um, not only plant the seeds, but water the seeds and allow it to grow as your light shines upon each and every one of us. And may our postures be one that in faith we expect that you will touch us today. In faith we expect that you will change us today. In faith we expect you're going to move us forward today as individuals and as a body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So who are the note takers amongst us? Show me those pens. They've got a couple of pens already. The front row, a couple of the back. Good. So if you want to have a title for, your, uh, for my preach this morning, you can call it Created for Connection. Now, it's not a, a title I came up with myself. I stole it. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to a marriage course, and the marriage course is called Created for Connection. Um, and it was lucky my friends, Darby and Diesel, they'd done the course before us, and they raved about the course, changed their marriage apparently, or changed Darby, I'm not sure which, but um, apparently it was good for us to go do it as well. <laughs> so we were very blessed by that um, course, and yes, it was very much focused on the marriage relationship, but the elements in it actually deal with most relationships. So I want to take that concept through uh, of created for connection and apply it to ourselves in our lives in a more broader sense. So when we look at the gospel and we look at what Jesus has to say about God, um, God was asked the, Jesus was asked the important question, what is the most important commandment? What does it all actually really boil down to? And his response, which we all should know, was this. The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now that was for him the most important commandment. And that really is actually all we are trying to do. To love the Lord, the God, our God with all our strength, all our mind, all our emotions, everything we have to love the Lord like God and to declare that he is one, the only one. But then Jesus went a step further and he added the second. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no, there is no other commandments greater than these. He was asked for the one commandment. He gave two. There was something about the second commandment that couldn't be divorced from the first. It is not enough to love God. It is loving God and loving your neighbor, according to Jesus. I'm sure that threw a curveball to the Pharisees because they went and asked further, who's your neighbor and all this. They want to wrestle with this concept because it's easy to love God and continue with your own life. Somehow a lot harder to love one another. Before Jesus leaves, He expands on that one commandment. And he says, a new commandment I give you. This is in John 13. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. So he really focuses in on the body of believers. 
and the disciples that the love that we have for each other will be completely different to the world. That's the new commandment that we are to live with, to love the Lord the God and to love one another as he has loved us. So again, it's an expression of the love that we have received, we are able to pass on. There's a connection between the two. The two things I wanted to highlight from this sections is God is one. There's a unity in his oneness. Although we talk about the Trinity, we also talk about the one God. But that unity is expressed in different areas as well. We talk about marriage. Right in Genesis, we see how the two shall become one. It's a mystery, as Ephesians 5 also highlights, there's a mystery about this oneness that is beyond our comprehension, but it is by God's design that two become one. And then we talk about the body. You can go in um, Ephesians 5, I see the following. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying this, that it refers to Christ and the church. In that whole Ephesians section, he's talking about marriage and how we relate to one another. But then he also talks about how Christ relates to the, the church. So not only are we relating to God as individuals, but we also relate to God as a corporate body. There's a connection between ourselves and God and us plurally and God. God does not give us a space to divorce the two. God does not give us a space to me and God on a journey alone. He connects us together in ways that we cannot separate. In fact, um, as Jesus was dying, he was saying, uh, make them one just as we are one. In, in John 17, you read this. Um, I'll start at verse 22. No, sorry, I'll start at verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will be, believe in me through their word. That's you guys. He says, Jesus is now praying directly for you. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us. That the, the world may, know, may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, that the world may know that you have sent me and love them as I have loved you. Are you seeing the connection? Are you seeing the oneness that God's desiring, that Jesus has himself one, but also the goal he sets before us to be one with us, which is profound, that Jesus himself wants to be one with us and ask us to be perfectly one with one another and with him in perfect unity. That is the love that we are to express. That is the love that God is making available for us. The other analogy he gives us is we are all part of one body. All different parts doing different things. But we can't separate ourselves from each other. The hand cannot separate itself from the foot nor the eye from the ear and think that they will function just as well. We are interdependent by design. We are created for connection. 
by God's design. Because he himself is connected in perfect unity. And we are created in his image. So let me elaborate a little bit about this connection that I'm talking about. Now, this is not a new teaching. This is not a new thing under the sun. Because it's all been said before. I'm just using different vocab. You would have heard fellowship. You would have heard love one another. You would have heard friendship. I'm using the same terminology. I'm just changing the vocab into maybe a different context. Just so we can frame it differently and view those same relationships in a different way. So I'm using the word connection. And I would argue that this is our primary purpose, is to be connected with one another. We're not created only for services. We're not created only for work. We're not created only for worship. Yes, these things are all part of what we're doing, but our primary purpose is connection. From the very beginning, we are created for connection. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. That is a connection point. Yes, Adam was given work to do, and yes, there was other relationships. But there was the primary purpose is for connection. Corinthians 13, just the scriptures before the, the section on love, we can read the following. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but not love, I am nothing. If I give, all, give away all I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. The point is love. The point is connection. The point is having a lovely wife that looks after you. She knows me well. Thanks, my dear. Anticipates my needs before I even have them. The other word we have in the Bible for connection would be the word kanonia or fellowship. You've seen that in Acts 2.42. I believe last week you, you learned how to make lasagna. Who remembers how to make lasagna? <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. But part of that is the fellowship they had with one another. That's the word kanonia. But fellowship is a strong word. It's not just we had a bride together. It is we had a partnership together. We had a sharing of. And not just a moment. It's an ongoing state. Our friendship with Darwin, Liesel, and their family has grown over the years despite the gap we had between each other. I've been in Mosul Bay for the last 10 years. They were in Malpos for the majority of that. I'm very grateful that God brought them closer. And yet the friendship grew over that time. It's a sharing and a partnership of. It was a choice to go have holidays together. It was a choice to drive 400 kilometers for a birthday party. It was a choice to be in each other's life because we had the connection and we wanted more of it. It was also a choice in occasions to speak into each other's life, both where we saw gaps and when we had hurts, to foster a growing need and desire for that connection. The Creative for Connection course is based on something called, a science of study called the attachment theory. 
That's where it actually originated. It was a study done in the 1950s, 60s, where they looked at mothers specifically attaching with their infant children and just that relationship that infants have with a mother and just how kids will flourish when there's an attachment and a connection between the significant body, which is then the mother in this case, and what would happen when that attachment wasn't there. And, of course, you can imagine how kids would flourish when there's a healthy attachment in that case. That attachment theory has been expanded now, and that also sees the same thing happening in marriages, where you have a significant attachment to your spouse, and how with that attachment being healthy, you flourish. When that attachment is in danger or, or, or damaged, then other areas of your life are also suffering. And the same attachment theory is applied to our relationship with God. To have that connection and attachment with a significant other, that being God. It, it's defined by a strong emotional bond. It has a, a secureness, a safety. And it's, when you see a healthy bond like that, there's also signs of lower anxiety, lower stress, lower uh, depression. All those things become less because people have these strong attachments in their life. If I asked you to take out your phone right now, and I asked you to open an app called Contacts. Who's got that app in their, in their phone? Contacts, all right? Does anyone have an app called Connections? No, you don't have an app called Connections. How many contacts did you have in your phone? Are we talking 200? Who's above 200? Contacts. There we go. 500? Anybody on the 500 mark? Uh, I think last time I checked, I'm on 750. I've got 750 contacts in my phone. 1,500. There we go. 699. Okay. Well, let's go to another one. How many followers do you have on Instagram? Or on Facebook? How many friendship connections do you have? Okay, or all those social medias. How many contacts do you have or followers? People, contacts are not connections. Contacts is a number or an email address. It is not a relationship. Followers are informational sharing. It is not a connection. There is no real bond with a contact. Just because you had a conversation does not mean you had a connection. The other scary thing about the attachment theory or this connection theory is pretty much the majority of the time we break the contact. We break the connection. When a mother is doing well with an infant, the only, the, about 80% of her actions around the infant are breaking the connection. Only 20% are creating the connection. So the attachment theory teaches that actually a big part of the relationship and big part of the connection is about restoring the connections the whole time. Now you can imagine you're holding an infant and your phone rings. What happens? You look away at, the, you look away at your phone. Forget the mic. You look away at the phone. You break connection. The infant sees the loss of eye contact and sees, where's my mother? The connection's broken. What does the mother do after the infant cries? It reestablishes the connection. It reestablishes eye contact. It reestablishes uh, the love and the bonds. 
The same is true in our marriages. The same is true with our friendships. The same is true with our relationship with God. How, how do we break our connection with God? Well, one obvious answer is sin. Another is neglect. Another is just turning our backs. But they all break the relationship. Thankfully, God is faithful. He's always ready to reconcile and restore and forgive and extend grace and mercy. But the same action is required of us. A connection does not remain by itself. It requires maintenance. It requires investment. It requires recommitments again and again and again. If I told you this bungee cord was 20 years old and I haven't looked at it once in the last 20 years, would you trust it? Why not? (laughs) Nothing's changed on it. I haven't touched it. It's been in the shed for 20 years. Why don't you trust it anymore? Same with our connections. It requires a constant maintenance, a constant checking and awareness of what's at stake. Have I added to it? My weight might have grown over the last 20 years. Can I still use the same bungee cord? No, I need to strengthen it over time. But just like a bungee cord, has anyone actually seen a bungee cord cut in half? I had the privilege of jumping with my son, Ruben. Was it Blokerans? Yes. We had a father-son camp away, creating connections. And one of the things he had on the bucket list was to jump off a bridge. So I had to join him. <laughs> it was good fun. But they actually gave us a small piece of the bungee cord. And it is actually a cord, maybe the size of my wrist. But it's made up of lots and lots of individual strands. So many that even if one broke, it's not a problem. But it's the multiple strands, the multiple connections that form the strength of it, that you can trust. So here's a little bit of a controversial thought. When, Adam, when God created Adam in the garden, and in Genesis 2.18, we read the following. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now this is my thought. Why was it not good for Adam to be alone? This was before sin. This was in the perfect creation. Adam had a perfect relationship with the Lord. But yet it was not good for him to be alone. What was lacking? How can God say that about his own creation that it's not good? For this is the only thing that God said was not good in his perfect creation. I theorize, believe that God created us intrinsically with a need. Just like I need oxygen, I need water, I need food, those needs are created in me by God. Can God sustain me without food? Yes. Can God sustain me without water and oxygen? Yes. But he chooses to create those needs in me. Because that's his design, created for the connection. So yeah, he sees Adam in his created state and saying, it's not good for Adam to be alone. He created Adam to have the need for a connection with Eve. And therefore created Eve to fulfill that need in himself. So somewhere along the line, God is saying, in the way he created us, 
He doesn't fulfill that need by himself, but chose that need to be fulfilled through each other. Don't know how theologically correct that might be, so I'm happy to be challenged on that. But it's still worthy exploring why did God say it is not good for Adam to be alone. So now that I've sort of laid the foundations of those connections are important. Those connections are in all sorts of directions. It is between us and God. It's between us plural and God. It's between all of us individually. The connection is how do we make those, how do we create those connections? Well, one look of it is like a chain. You can create one link at a time. And create every contact point you have with somebody. Are you creating a chain or are you just creating a, a contact? And it comes down to simple questions like, do you want coffee? That's a contact. What was the last coffee you enjoyed is a connection. Because now you're asking life questions. You're asking people where they are at. Can I buy you a coffee or can I bring you into my home and share a coffee? Those are two different experiences that create two different bonds. With God, we can also create those bonds. By reading his word, we hear what the loving father has to say about himself and about us. In prayer and in exercising our spiritual gifts. In worship like we did now, we're creating a connection with God and God with us. In going to another church, you're experiencing God in a different way. As you go visit on the 8th of April, you're visiting other congregations. You see new aspects of God and his family. You've created another bond. In serving, going to Isle of Man, Netherlands, you create another experience of God. And all those experiences adds up. It then becomes like a chain of armor instead of a, a chain. Who knows what a chain of armor is? The youth. Why do the youth know a chain of armor? So a chain of armor, medieval times, the knights would go out and they would have either these metal cages that they lived in, exoskeletons, and underneath that they would often wear a chain of armor. Now a chain of armor got its strength by having lots of little links tied together. Where a chain is linear, a chain of armor would have one link connected to four other connections, if not eight. So it got its strength through its connections to various parts not just one connection. The same is for our own strength and stability and security. We create multiple connections to multiple people, but also in multiple ways. It's great to have a connection around Formula One. Who are the Formula One fans? There we go. So I can connect with you around Formula One. But if I had to connect with you and ask you, who wants to join me for a five-day test match? Cricket. Uh... Okay, some less hands, some different hands, okay? Those connections are different, but you meet people at different places. Who's been to an opera? All right, again, different hands, different connection points, different ways of engaging with one another. But they all form different bonds. Playing cards, watching cricket, praying together, serving together, creating different bonds in different ways. Making connections also requires sacrifice. In Philippians, we see the following. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. So yes, my wife might invite me to go to a ballet. That might not be my interest, but it's hers. Actually, I don't think it is. No. But then we, I do it anyway for the sake of the other, expanding my own connections. I'm not only looking at my own interests, but also the interests of others. That will require sacrifice. That will require letting go of your desires for the sake of the other person. But what are you actually desiring? You're desiring connection. You're desiring a, a moment of bonding with one another. And you're just finding a different way of doing it in a different moment. Community life is another one of those connection moments. But we can go to community as a Bible study. We can go to community and spend a moment drinking a coffee, reading the Bible, sharing what we think the Bible means, having a prayer and going home, and having left nothing of ourselves in the community, and having taken nothing with us of the community. Have you phoned the next day and said, sure, that prayer you did for me really touched my heart. Thank you. Have you called up on the Friday and going, guys, I'm still struggling. Can you help me? Have you heard of a community member going sick and you're going, bring the soup because you want to love them and just share life with each other? Have you invited your community with on holiday because you want to create more connections? Community living as a point of connection is more than just a Wednesday night and more than just a Sunday serving together. It's a lifestyle you're choosing to give of yourself not only your own interests, but also the interests of others. To invite people in and allow yourself to be invited in. And of course, the socials. Now, there's a church picnic coming up on the 1st of April. 2nd of April, thank you. Is that still church? Is that still an expression of a healthy body? For a lot of congregations out there, it's going to be, no, that's not what we do in a church service. We need our worship, we need our preach, we need the Bible. But that is as much a connection point, as much of a living out of the body expression as we are doing right now. To really give ourselves to one another and go there and spend time there and then intentionally try and reach out and connect with a brother or sister and going, how are you doing? What's happening in your life? What's happening in my life? Asking those questions. And let me, let me put it this way to you. When you go to, ch- to work on Monday, now Wednesday, people can ask you, how was your weekend? You can answer with, it was good, thank you. That's the contact point. That's not a connection. Sure, it was great. I had my mother over and we prayed for her and then we had this bride and oh, it was such a fellowship. I would love you to join next time. It would be awesome. Now you're sharing your life. But we can very easily also just put people at arm's length. Having conversations that are little more than just asking for the salt and the pepper at a dining room table. Social contact is important and a wonderful atmosphere to create those connections. Your homes are a powerful place to create connections. Are you inviting people into your home? Are you inviting one another into your home to create connections? A 
beautiful way of creating connections is to laugh and to cry together. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Can you be excited for one another when someone succeeds in something? Or when God comes through for them and blesses them? Even though you might have been hoping for the same thing. Can you be excited just to honor God and what God's done and to celebrate with him? And when you cry, do you cry alone? (laughs) Or do you invite others into your sorrow, into your pain, into your struggles? And let them just sit there next to you like Job's friends for seven days sitting in ashes. And just be there with you in the pain. Even though if they don't have answers, are you allowing others in for the good and the bad for the sake of connection? I'm reminded about something I heard once about a study done for young kids growing up in Christian homes. And then they're trying to follow these, these, these individuals, these children in later years and trying to determine why would some continue in the faith and why would some fall away from the faith? One of the very strong things they discovered, the strong correlation they found, is how many connections that the youth have beyond their family in the faith. And they found that as soon as those connections became multiple, six, seven, eight connections or more, the children were more likely to remain in the faith than those that just had a connection within their own family structure. Our connections help us through it. One of the things that, I was, that, that hit me in the core when I first joined Josh Jen is a friend gave the analogy of um, the four friends that took the paraplegic to Jesus, to ask Jesus to pray for him. And they couldn't get into the house, so they had to climb onto the roof with the paraplegic, the paralyzed man, break open the roof and drop him down in there before Jesus, before Jesus' feet. They had to do significant effort to help their friend to connect with Jesus. The question that was posed with me was, do I have four friends in my life that when I'm paralyzed and can't get to Jesus, will they carry me to Jesus on my behalf? Do you have those friends in your life that will know when you're hurting, know when you're paralyzed, know when you're unable to get to Jesus, and will they carry you to Jesus on your behalf so that you can get healed? I see some faces nodding. That's awesome. The next question, are you one of those four friends? Are you building relationships that you know where your friends are at, that they are hurting, that they are suffering, that they need Jesus? And are you willing to drop what you're doing to help them get to Jesus? That is living in connection with one another and with God. So what limits our ability to create connections with one another? Well, one of the big ones would be that we don't repair the damages that we've caused. Damage is going to happen in our relationship with one another. We are going to hurt each other. From standing on each other's toes, like someone stood on Nathan's toe and probably broke it, to larger offenses. And we need to express those. We need to heal those. We need to... Extend forgiveness and and receive forgiveness. 
I can remember one occasion where Darwin Liesel spoke to us. And I had gone through something in my life and didn't bother to share it with them. And although they, we can't even remember what it was. We actually can't. But they took the effort to phone me and say, they know how I'm wired, they know how I'm thinking, so they understand how it happened. But because of the reality of our friendship and what they wanted, they'd hoped and expected that I would have shared that season in my life with them. And they were slightly hurt by it. That I didn't. Forgiveness and grace was there immediately. Absolutely. But they set the bar higher for me on what they wanted out of friendship. They modeled something to me about sharing openly, even if it was over a telephone conversation of, we want more out of this friendship. And we're willing to fight for it. We're willing to go through the inconveniences and the awkwardnesses and the embarrassments because we want more in those connections. Are you doing the same? Or are you just going, oh, well, that's good enough? Because we wasn't hurt. It wasn't like a friendship was not there, but they wanted more. And you're willing to fight for it. It also speaks about being intentional in relationships and friendships. Greater for connection is a mindset that you might not have been aware of before. And just who's modeling it? Who's teaching it? Or is, is the world teaching it to us? I don't think so. So we might not have to be intentional about it and choosing it. We might just be going through our own patterns like we normally do. But to change our lifestyle and to be intentional about it might actually come with sacrifices. For some, it might be stopping the gym that you're going to. So I did CrossFit for a season. I thoroughly loved it. It really is up my alley and pushing my mind beyond what I can handle. I loved it. But what I realized with it is I was doing it alone. As much as I enjoyed it, there was no way I could connect with anyone while doing it. While I'm doing CrossFit, I either am out of breath or I'm constantly counting my reps. There's no space for anything else. So I gave it up to prefer running or swimming or other activities that I can do with people. My son started swimming and he's doing incredibly well at it, which forced me to start swimming, which I've never done before as a sport, in the hope that there's a connection moment available to join my son in something that he's doing and having fun with. Are you willing to be intentional about how you structure your life for those, in, for those connections? You might have to let go of some things in order to create room for those connections. The other area we can be um, not intentional about is just how we spend our time in a general day. This got highlighted to me when I went camping with Ruben. Got his permission to share this. But of course, who knows that what you see in your children is often just a reflection of yourself. Who's, who knows that? So I saw that in my son, and then I phoned my mother, and I saw the, that my daughter was doing the same to her, which meant they're probably learning it from me. So I'm the one that has to change. So this is what happened. We were camping together for a week, and we really had a glorious time together. Lots of activities, cooking meals together, and having fun together. But what I noticed, because it was such a long time together, I noticed that the general trend with Reuben was, as soon as there was space, he would sit down and read his book. And he can read his book. He is really good at that. And then when the next activity comes, he would gladly put down the book or go wash the dishes or do anything. So there was, it wasn't a hard posture. It was just 
his first choice was to withdraw and read a book. And after four or five days of this, the pattern became obvious enough, which I'd never noticed in my own home. But it was because of the extended time I could see it. That the default was to choose to do my own thing in my own way. I spoke to my mom with my daughter Lisa, who's now at TMT. She stayed with my mom for um, nine weeks, which was a lovely time. and They really enjoyed it. But I asked my mom about this. And she said Lisa was doing exactly the same thing. If she invited her to play cards, they would have a lovely time together. If she invited her to come build the puzzle, they would have a lovely time together. But Lisa was so busy doing her own thing that she would not invite my mom to play cards. She would not invite my mom to join in on things. She would not invite my mom for a walk. She would accept every invite, but not extend it herself. And that was a reflection of how I was living, focused on myself. But then the last day, having spoken to Ruben about it and just exploring the topic, things changed drastically. And we could see of, not only was there reading of the book, but he would put it down and say, hey, Dad, let's go play the Frisbee. Hey, Dad, want to play some cards? There was a moment of rest by himself, but also a desire to seek out the connection. It was being intentional and being aware of what we wanted. Children definitely hold up a mirror to ourselves. I do want to highlight a little bit about who we are connected to. Jesus goes on quite a lot about this. We can easily accept the concept of we're connected to Jesus and we can, can connect to uh, our spouse. Those are very clear to us. But this concept of how our relationship with one another affects our relationship with the Lord is not a very common theme especially out in, in other Christian circles. So I want to read some verses to you that, that you might um, find interesting. So from 1 John 4.10, uh, Jesus is speaking to Peter after the resurrection. And he's saying um, Peter had denied him three times. and be, Jesus wants to restore him in the relationship he has with Peter. And he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's response is, yes, Lord, you know that I do. What does Jesus say to that afterwards? Jesus says, um, feed my sheep. No, that's the wrong verse. Okay, yeah. that's the wrong verse. But anyway, we'll take it from there. Three times this happens. Where, P- where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, Jesus. Jesus says, yes, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus then says, feed my sheep. The expression of Peter's love for Jesus is Jesus asking him to love the sheep. There's another one that goes in Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. The king is saying, To serve me, you actually serve the least in my kingdom. We all want to serve Jesus. We all want to lay our lives down for Jesus. Jesus is saying the expression of that is how you serve one another. How you serve the least in my kingdom. That's how you serve me. 
Jesus also challenges our concept of the family and the family structure. Matthew 12, from 40, verse 46 on, Jesus is busy teaching a crowd. And his mother and his brothers are at the door knocking and they can't come in. And the crowd lets him know, My, your parents are here. Your, your family is here. And then Jesus responds with this. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretches out his hands towards his disciples and he says, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Who are your mothers, brothers, sisters? If Jesus has that conversation about his own blood relationships versus his spiritual relationships, who are you defining as your mother, your brother, and your sister? In South Africa, we've got a strong culture of honoring our family and spending time with our family. But maybe we need to adjust our definition of who our family is and continue to extend that same honor with our family. Who are you pursuing on that Christmas dinner? Who are you pursuing on the holiday seasons? Who are you intentionally reaching out to? Is it your family or is it your family? And to know that your relationship with one another can affect your relationship with God, there's some scary statements. How about this one? 1 John 4, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God who has not seen. At this command will commandment will we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother God does not give us the option of loving one another it is not possible in other places he says if you do not forgive one another I the father will not forgive you it is truly the expression of our interconnection and our experience with one another and our connection with one another that impacts our connection with the father But the reverse is also true. Our connection with the Father will impact our connection with one another. It does so in your marriage. It does so in your friendships. It does so in your community. It does so in this body. The two are intertwined. And we are fools if we think we can separate them. So what does this mean for us now? I'm hoping that for some, you've seen the need for creating greater connections for yourself amongst the body. I'm hoping that for in faith that God has been revealing to you that you haven't been connected. You might have been attending faithfully. You might have been present faithfully. But you haven't been connected. For others, you might not have realized that you haven't been connecting to more people than the ones you're comfortable with. It's easy to form a small group of like-minded people and feel connected. But what about the person that's not in that circle? Like Andrew preached, are you seeing the two gentlemen in the back of the hall standing, longing for connection, desperate for connection? Because God said it's not good for man to be alone. Are you adding others 
into your bonds and forming more connections. Can I ask us to close our eyes, please? I'm going to ask you to respond to what God's been doing in your heart during this service. I want you to be honest with him and with yourself. Connections are going to come at a cost. We can't have the good without a price. Jesus paid the price first by dying on the cross for us. So that we can have life in abundance. Are we now willing to lay down our lives. To grab hold of that life in abundance. With him. And with each other. If you feel God has been speaking to you about. Your lack of connection with one another. And you want to recommit to him. Your desire to be connected. With him and with each other. Can I ask you to just raise your hands as a sign of that commitment? That you want to, what he wants for you. I see those hands. Thank you very much. I see God moving amongst us. And just showing you something different. This is your commitment to the Lord. Before the Lord. Of what you're wanting to do. And it is a beautiful thing. It is going to require you to take initiative. To create those connections. And it's going to require us as a body to seek out these people. Seek out your brothers and sisters and invite them into your life as well. Let me just pray for that one now, right now. Father, I want to thank you that you did not leave us alone. That you did not leave Adam alone. But that you created family for us. You created one another. And you put our, your Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. That we may receive those connections with one another. That we can reach out to one another. That as we take steps of courage and of boldness to meet each other where we are at. We will receive love, we'll receive mercy, we will receive forgiveness, and we'll receive healing. We will receive from you through others, and we'll give of you to others, because you've designed us that way. And we will grow in our bonds with you, in an understanding of love with you and with others. As you pull us forward. Thank you for the healing you're bringing to us. Thank you for the revelation. Thank you for the growing of our hearts. Thank you for you changing us into your image. And while the eyes are closed and our hearts are still praying. I also just want to extend an invite. To anybody that has not had that connection With Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. You might have known of him. You might have read about him. 
you might have seen others walking with him. But you yourself know you've never been connected to him. You've never felt his love. You've never reached out and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Will you help me? Or you might not have done that in a long time. And you want to restore a connection with the Lord, or you want to have that connection with the Lord for the first time. You can feel his Holy Spirit speaking to you now. You can feel something happening in your heart where God is revealing your need for connection that he created. I would like you to invite you to respond to that need for the connection just by raising your hand and looking at me that I might pray for you today and invite you into that connection that we share that is so precious. Is there anyone that wants to respond to that and say, Lord, here I am. I see that hand. That's beautiful. I see a hand there as well. That is beautiful. Lord, you're working amongst us and you're inviting people in. That is just beautiful, Lord. Thank you. Thank you very much. Do not hesitate to raise your hand. As I said, connections require sacrifice. Connections do need commitment from us and from each other. Because of that, I'm going to ask those who raise their hands now on the last call, could you just stand so that we can come and love you, so that we can surround you and express our love towards you and pray with you. Can I ask you to stand right now, please? I see those hands. Please do stand so that others can express their love to you. For the rest of us, can we just come around these people? Can we extend love and grace and pray? And for the others, can we just acknowledge how beautiful our Lord is to touch hearts, to celebrate with people. As one cries, we all cry. As one laughs, we all laugh. God is adding to us all. God is doing beautiful things to us all. And he's creating more connections for us to celebrate, for us to enjoy, for us to become stronger. Lord, I'm thankful for what you're doing. I'm thankful for what you're doing as a body. But as a body, can we just express this together? Can we, as an expression of our oneness, can we all stand and let's just pray the sinner's prayer together? That we are one body, that we worship one God, that we are in it together with one another, and that our journeys in the Lord are tied together. So let's just pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I'm saved by grace, by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Please forgive my sins. Remove them as far away as the east is from the west. And bring me home into your love.
change me. Give me your Holy Spirit. Make me part of this family. As you bring me to glory to, from glory to glory. Bring us from glory to glory. Into eternal glory with you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. May I hear his voice clearly. And may I live my life under your Lordship as I declare you my King and my Savior. Amen and amen. What a beautiful Lord we serve. What a beautiful Lord we serve.